Hey y'all, welcome to Shades of Brown, the podcast that discusses the ever-evolving and sometimes contradicting thoughts of a Black millennial. I'm your host, Allie B, and thank you for being here with me again. This is the season three finale. Thank y'all for rocking with me week after week. Hopefully you are already subscribed on Apple Podcasts. I think they're changing it to like follow now. So it'll be similar to Spotify where you can just follow. Hopefully you've done those things though. Also, hopefully you are following me on social media. And if you're not, please go ahead and do that now while you're listening to me. Head over to Instagram and Facebook and follow me at Everything Allie B. For the season three finale, I have a guest with me to discuss the incredibly taboo topic of colorism. My brown beat for the week will be a mixture of introducing the guest and highlighting her organization. So it'll be a two in one deal. So let me tell you about the guest I have. Her name is LaVonda White. She's the founder and CEO of the organization called Nah, I'm Just Pretty, which is a social enterprise company working to combat colorism through education, advocacy, and organizing. She's also the co-founder of a nonprofit called Hype, which stands for Helping Young People Evolve. This organization focuses on the art of mind and a positive decision-making curriculum that's grounded in social emotional development. She received her BA in communications from Michigan State University and her MBA from Mary Baldwin University with an emphasis in corporate sustainability. Her background includes nonprofit management, education, political slash union organizing, and most recently, community economic development. And the work she's done with her organization, Nah, I'm Just Pretty, has been featured in Forbes. And she also offers authentic handmade merchandise from Cape Town, South Africa. She's doing incredible work, necessary work, and I can't wait for you guys to hear this conversation. And I hope that as you're listening, you allow yourself to open up to be informed and inspired to make a difference within our community. So yeah, y'all, let's get into it. Let's unpack it. You know what? I keep I keep forgetting to tell the podcast, the actual podcast, that I have merch. I have merch, y'all. So go check me out. The link is in my bio on Instagram and Facebook. Get you a shirt. I have shirts that say, let's unpack it. And I have shirts that say Chase Brown. Grab you one. Okay, for real. Now, let's unpack it. Welcome to Shades of Brown, LaVonda. How are you? I'm doing lovely. How are you? I'm doing good. It's so good to see your face. I haven't seen you since like, I don't know, 2013 when we first met. When I first moved to Utah, you were one of the first Black people I met out there. <laughs> Isn't that crazy where you have these experiences like, you was the first black person I ran to. I met another person at the beauty supply and I'm like, yo, we black, like let's connect somehow. Yes, yes. <laughs> you end up, I think you, as a matter of, yeah, you end up connecting connecting me to the hairstylist I used. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I love her. She was my lifesaver. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Man, so it's so good to see you. So good to have you here. Thank and you. I was starting to get into this before we started recording and I had to stop myself, like, let me press record first. But yeah. I just want to thank you first for not only coming onto the podcast, but for starting this organization and for saying yes to your call because this is not easy. Using your voice for such taboo topics, it's just not easy. And I wish I didn't have to call you brave and courageous, but you are brave and courageous for this because 
going against the norm, the the standard conversation, the standard perspective, going against that is just, it can feel so lonely and isolating. So thank you. Cause I, I just know it's not easy. You're welcome. And you know, I sincerely from the bottom of my heart appreciate that because I have struggled with even vocalizing my uh, struggle with colorism or, you know, I have this public platform but a lot of times I never wanted to be the face of it, right? Like mm. I wanted to have this platform. If I could hire someone else to like be this person, then great. Let me be behind the back scene so I can push the mission. But God showed me that like you need to be in the front. Like your voice needs to be heard. And that's where your blessing will come from. So yeah. thank you for that because I really uh, made an effort at the end of the year to go into this year using my voice more. Mm, I love that. I love that. And your voice is so necessary. So let's get into it. How do you define colorism? I don't, I'm like breaking it down for the people who seem to just not really understand. So colorism is just the practice of favoring lighter skin over darker skin, right? Simply put, the preference for light skin can be seen in racial and ethnic backgrounds, across cultures. So while some may say they don't see color or they're colorblind, it's hard to deny that many people not only see color, um, but you experience color. So simply put, colorism is the preference of lighter skin over darker skin. And for, for those who may not be aware, is this is this specific to um, Black versus white, or is it just in our community, Black communities, or is it across the board in um, nationalities across the board? Absolutely. Great question. And colorism is not specific to just Black people. Colorism is nationally. So you see colorism in Asian cultures and Indian cultures and Dominican cultures. I've seen a quote somewhere that said darker skinned people across cultures are treated differently. So we have to understand that this is not just a, a, a Black phenom that we're dealing with. Colorism is a form of anti-Black uh, racism that assigns value, right, to people of color based on their physical resemblance to European standards of beauty. So that's why it's so important to always keep this conversation center as a systemic issue. Yeah. It's not about how you feel. It's not about what you experience. Colorism is a systemic issue that has been documented throughout history. Hello. Okay. <laughs> Sister, ain't about how you feel. This is what it is. <laughs> okay. It's like racism. It's not, no, no, no. We know that racism exists. Yeah. How do we know? Because it was documented in history. There, there's proof. So yeah. you look at colorism in the history of colorism. Colorism shows up in the Bible. Colorism um, was documented in slavery, right? Yeah. The light-skinned people was in the, you know, in the house and the darker-skinned people um, was in the field. So it's, yeah. it's the structural system that was assigned to people of color to um to put a value on skin tone so you can say you can you can have access to um land or you can have access to this community right we know the brown paper bag test right mm -hmm. you can access this community if you are lighter than this skin tone color so mm -hmm. that systemically and structurally um oppresses darker skinned people so I so, want to make sure that we're clear. Uh, I'm very familiar with the, the brown paperback test. Um, yes. For those who are not, can you explain what that is? Absolutely. So the brown paper bag test was a test that they ran um, on Black people, and they would put a brown paper bag up to your skin 
to see if you were uh, light enough to pass or if you were light or the same color as the brown paper bag. If you were, then you had access to this neighborhood, right? And so you'll see even in affluent areas, you'll see lighter skin people assimilated to these areas because of the brown paper bag test, right? So the brown passing the brown paper bag test gave you access to better education, gave you access to jobs, right? So colorism is systemic in that there's economical implications of not being lighter skinned. Yes. And I thank you for breaking it down because I want to make sure we're having this conversation in a way where we're not placing blame on individuals, no. right? Because though this is so prevalent in Black communities, it's systemic. It's hard to pinpoint, right? It's Absolutely. hard to say, oh, that was colorist, you know? Yes. <laughs> um, so, but but this is the idea that across the board, lighter skinned people are treated differently yes. than darker skin. And it's just Period, point, and blank. Absolutely. There is no, oh, but it could have been this, or oh, they didn't. No, it's based on your skin. And they may not say that, right? Like people aren't going around saying, I'm favoring you because you have lighter skin. I'm giving you this job because you have lighter skin. You know, I'm dating you because you have lighter skin. Right? They're not saying that, but deep down, these are. this is the reason. This Absolutely. Is the root of it. Absolutely. Um, and people are saying it. You know, you think about the rappers. Well, you know, yeah. You think about um, the light skin, red bone, the favor of lighter skin. If you think about media, right, they're not saying it, but they're always casting um, yeah. lighter skin people in different roles. If you look uh, at print, I always say that the Jet Magazine was like my number one go-to because they mm -hmm. had the Jet Black Beauty of the Week. Yes. So I knew looking Ooh. at Jet Magazine and the Jet Black Beauty of the Week, it was going to be someone who looked like me. Yeah. So a lot of times um, people are not saying that they're colorists mm -hmm. and or they are, but you can tell in the media, you can tell mm -hmm. um, throughout our culture that lighter skin is favored over darker skin. Yeah. And even, um, you know, it's a lot of conversation about, well, you know, nowadays it's the dark skin girls getting all the attention, right? But we're just now coming into a space where people like Issa Rae are celebrated. Absolutely. For the longest, there was just a handful of brown skin women who were celebrated. And that was Gabrielle Union, Regina Hall, Regina King, and a few others. I'm missing a few, Sanaa Lathan or whatever. But when you even look at them, they aren't even that dark. Like they Absolutely. are in the middle of the road, you know, Absolutely. though they are not as light as Halle Berry, Absolutely. but they are not uh, Lupita. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So we're just now coming into a space where we see those women on Black Panther and we see we, we see darker skinned women who are um, being casted. But then let's go a step further. Yes, we're seeing them in more movies, right? We're seeing them get awards, but we are not seeing them pursued, right? romantically we're not seeing them cast as the romantic interest right you know so it's it e even with the progress there is still a major message it's maybe it may be a meta message and a hidden message but it's still being sent to dark-skinned women saying you are not enough absolutely you can be a certain type of black woman but don't be too black yeah you can be a black woman but you know your hair can't be too nap yeah you know, um, yeah. your nose can't be too big. You know, yeah. they, a lot, we were taught to self-hate ourselves on so many levels um, that we're just starting to love our own hair, for crying out loud. Yes. We're just starting to embrace what comes from our head, our crown, um, and getting back to that. So imagine um, the layers that we have to, to unbreak mm. when it comes to our skin tone. Yeah. 
it makes me so emotional thinking about my own journey embracing my hair. I'm going to talk about it. Because I had a perm from four years old until 20. Mm -hmm. Um, So I didn't even, I don't even remember not having a perm. I don't remember it. So all I knew was straight hair was right. Mm. Straight hair was like the white girls. And I remember in school being like, yep, got my got my fresh perm, my white girl flow. I would say that, right? Wow. The way it would, because I have very long and mm, I have a lot of hair, but it's not super, super coarse. It's just, people think I have thick hair. It's actually not thick. It's mm. more fine. It's just a lot of hair. So Beautiful hair, by the way. Thank okay. you. So when it's straight and when it's bone straight, it just flows in the wind like a little white girl right and I celebrated that thinking the more straight it is the better it is right if you don't have hair like them you are you what, what you doing what you doing yeah. and going through the process of going natural and I went natural for other reasons than rocking a fro right. I didn't rock a fro until like five years into my hair journey because still even going natural it's like oh I ain't gonna do that little fro thing I ain't doing that nappy thing like y'all doing <laughs> right I said things like this right yeah all because I was still bound to that European standard of beauty, not knowing that that, that's a form of self-hate, right? So now it's like, of course I wear the hair that grows out of my head, how it grows out of my head, right? And I'm not mad at people who don't, you know, do the natural thing. That's not what this is about. But it's just like, there's so many layers to this thing when it comes to self-acceptance and self-love in regards to the Black American community, because we've been told that everything about us is ugly and it's nasty and it's dirty and it's all these things. And even when it comes to the dark-skinned women who are appreciated, typically they're the ones who have more European features. Mm -hmm. So their noses aren't as wide, right? And whatever. Their hair is not as coarse. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They don't they don't feel as like um they don't feel too black. Like I said, Mm -hmm. you can be black, but don't be too black so Kamala Harris is safe right yeah doesn't feel too black um we can identify with her you know she has this flowy you know hair so Mm -hmm. we were we're taught to to be closer to white so you want to straighten your hair you heard that in the home right Mm -hmm. um come on here put this perm on my hair get get this white on your hair it's nappy so we were conditioned from a young age that the hair that grew out of our head Mm-hmm. was nappy it was bad hair and we needed it to be straight yeah and i'm just like that's why language is so important it's because so it important tie it back to colorism you've been playing out in the song too long you're getting too black you're Man. getting too dark you know it wasn't until a few years ago i'm talking about a few and when i say a few i mean a few that i embraced being tan that i embraced being out in the sun in the summertime just <laughs> just a few years ago yeah. I'm like, this is cool. This is okay. I don't mind yeah. getting darker. Now, granted, yeah. you know, I'd be all kind I have like 16 different shades at once. It'd be, <laughs> nice, it'd be nice if I was one shade, you know what I'm saying? But it's like, why? I, I, I grew up hearing my dad say that all the time. Even to this day, oh, I can't be out too long. I can't be out in the sun too long. And it's like, but this but is why? the thing. Right, yeah. but why? But why? But and, why? And these, these little jokes, right? Make sure that flash is on when you take a picture of me. And it's like, what, what, where does this come from? It isn't funny. It isn't funny. And language does matter. How did you, how did your organization, nah, I'm just pretty come about? First of all, I love the name of the organization. 
it's so taboo. People be like, nah, I'm just pretty. I'm like, yeah, it's the backstory. But yeah, it's just like, nah, I'm just pretty. It's like the ultimate affirmation to stop what people try to place on you. I feel like people try to place their self hate on you in so many different ways. So I didn't know what colorism was until my late 20s. I didn't even know it was a thing. It existed. Like, I just was out here thinking that people hated darker-skinned people my entire life. I felt like it was just a, like, my skin was a weapon. I'm like, why? What is, like, what is wrong with this? And I will always try to shrink myself. So, you know, that's why I said it's important for me to come out because a part of my colorism healing is being seen because I will always not want to be seen or yeah. heard so the jokes wouldn't come but um I was living in DC at the time um working and I was catching a bus on my way to work and I was getting off the bus on Georgia Avenue and this man he got off the bus and I walked my way and he walked his way and he said hey you know you pretty to be dark skinned and I just was like Okay, no. And I said, no, I'm just pretty amongst some other words that we won't say <laughs> on the Shades Brown podcast. But I told him, nah, I'm just pretty. And as I was walking to work, that kind of resonated with me. And I said, you know what? I'm going to figure out a way to tell my truth and to build a platform for darker skinned women to tell their truth and to be heard and to learn. Because I'm like, wait, I'm learning about this word and what it means. And, you know, it's just reaffirming that everything I always thought as a child was true. Like I wasn't crazy. I wasn't, you know, just making that up. Like, no, this stuff is researched throughout history. And so no, I'm just pretty was birthed out of that experience of the man telling me I was pretty to be dark skinned. And here we are today. Mm, (laughs) Here we are. So that was 2018. That is so triggering because it's like, what happens in somebody's brain that allows them to think that's a compliment? It's like, what? Self-hate be real. It's, I don't want to overload the conversation with all my examples because I know we, I'm sure we both have tons, right? But it's like, this is not okay. In no way, shape, form, or fashion is this okay. You know, like what? I re- <laughs> I remember in, um, in a, in a group chat, there was a picture that entered the group chat and we were asked, is this person pretty? And it was a dark-skinned girl, like chocolate, chocolate dark-skinned girl, right? And the comments started flying. Some said, you know, yeah, she's okay. Some said, no, she's ugly. Some said, no, nah, she's too dark for me. That was typical. Though, the, though that's bad, that yep. was typical. But what got me was the comment that said, you know what? I imagine her lighter and that still wouldn't work. It was, and, and they really were being genuine. Like, you know what? Let me make sure I'm not being wrong. And let me imagine her being lighter skinned. Now she's still ugly. So the point was to justify she's ugly, period, light, dark or whatever. But to say that is proving our point. And like, why did you, why do you have to think about her being lighter? Like maybe that would make her more beautiful. Like what? what this is what we're talking about Absolutely. Um, it, it's like this is not okay who okay so <laughs> you had to get it out because you said a lot and it's it's really not okay and I need people to understand that and I'm specifically you know talking to my black people because it's really just it's not okay to continue to perpetuate a system of white supremacy and to uphold it by continuing to, you know, base beauty off skin tone. Yeah. 
Yeah. What are some challenges you faced speaking up about something like this within our community? So much. For a long time, I really didn't want to speak about it because I felt like I wasn't an expert about it, right? Mm -hmm. So you feel like when you're kind of in this space that, you know, people want to hold you, or at least I feel like people try to hold me to this standard of like being this expert and where is this and how is this? And I'm like, I'm not that type of expert. I'm an expert in my experiences. Yeah. 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 That's good. I'm an expert in my truth. And I'm also learning and educating myself on the way so I can educate others. So I think for me, the challenge is knowing that what comes with it, like the backlash of people saying, you know, oh, um, you're just an ugly B word or you have low self-esteem or love yourself or that's not true, you know, dealing with those comments online and, and then also just even starting to question myself, like, wait a minute, can I do this work? Or, you know, am I prepared to put myself out there and publicly, like, take what's coming back at me? Did I misquote something? Did I miss say something? Because people try to hold you to this standard. And so I think a lot of times for me, my challenge is getting out of my own way. Yeah. And knowing that um, I don't have to be perfect to, to speak about my experiences, right? Like my experiences are my truth and, and that's where I'm coming from. So again, it's, it's more or less about, you know, the fear of uh, what people will say. But when mm-hmm. I think about the the people that are coming after me, these little children that I used to teach um, who said they didn't want to be outside because they didn't want to get dark. Miss White, we don't want to be outside because we don't want to get dark. They're seven to eight years old. For me, that's more important than how I'm perceived, right? Like Hello. my mission is more important. People inbox me telling, me telling me that, you know, they're inspired by me. And I'm just like, yo, I'm, I'm struggling myself to do this. But the fact that you were inspired about that, that's more important than how I feel. That's more important than what people will say. Getting this message out and and being able to help someone is more important than anything else. So that keeps me going. Mm. Mm. That's powerful. I'm an expert in my experiences. Okay. That that definitely helps me because I I face some of the same, you know, discouragement with my own journey. Um, It's like, golly, like man, this is hard, but it's like, you know, and, and, and I always feel, I think we often battle this, this whole like feelings of inadequacy, like what gives me the right to say this, you know, what gives me, who, who gave me permission to speak about this, whatever it is, but it's like, no, I'm just speaking my experience, you know, and what I've learned from it, how I've healed from it. That's it. And I'm an, I'm an expert in that. So thank you for that. That's a word. You're welcome. No, we're not in bondage anymore. You know, like I'm not in bondage to this anymore. I was in bondage for years. I wouldn't wear light skin colors or some, sorry, I wouldn't wear fingernail polishes. I wouldn't wear light uh, shirts. I wouldn't get color in my hair. Like I was in bondage to my skin that I was born with and I never knew why. Mm. So Mm. for me, it was like, I'm not in bondage. God said, be free. I was just listening to that song this morning. Uh, Kier share, what is it? Be free, my redeemer. Yes. I, don't, yes. I was just listening to that this morning. And I was just like, wow, like, this is what freedom feels like. Like, this is what being free from bondage, mental bondage, you know, whatever it was, like, this is what it is, is being unapologetic about your truth and what you went through and healing. So I'm getting my healing by talking to you. I'm getting my healing by sharing my story and connecting with other people 
that I didn't I didn't even know that that that's how healing was going to show up for me. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's that's good. I I remember like growing up, I would say, man, I could never wear that color, you know, lipstick. So taboo. Eyeshadow, whatever. I can never wear that color. Now, let me tell you something. I'm going to rock a red lip, an orange lip. Now, I haven't tried the blues and the greens yet. <laughs> but let me tell you something. I'm going to put some color on. You hear me? Okay. <laughs> Nails and everything. Now, granted, I love neutral colors just in general. But don't get it twisted. I'm, I can put a loud color on these nails <laughs> and these feet and these lips and be just fine. Whatever with the clothes I wear. And even that has been a journey to get there. Like, And that's so crazy. For that to be an accomplishment to buy an orange lipstick. That should not be a thing. Why is that a thing? Why is it a thing? Bondage is so real. And I'm just like, this is not something that people make up or walk around with low self-esteem. You know, we we have to stop saying, oh, you just have low self-esteem. No, we have to call a spade a spade. No, you're a colorist and you use colorist language and it's offensive. Yeah. And I I don't appreciate that. Mm -hmm. So we can have a conversation about it, but we can't continue to just, you know, use preference so freely and just be ignorant. Oh my God, the preference thing. Oh, man, (laughs) I'm really triggered with this this conversation. (laughs) Triggered, okay. So let's talk about that because that's such a safe, it's a scapegoat, right? It's it's Yeah. it's the safe place to go when you are being called out on your crap when it comes to colorism. Is it ever just a preference, right? Because I prefer dark skin men, you know, and I said, and I say that's a preference. Why can't men say they prefer light skinned women and it just be a preference? Um, this was a, a good question. And I know um, a lot of people always like ask that question. And I think, I would just say because colorism is rooted in a history of racist classism where skin color um, and ancestry determine whether one is free of a slave Mm -hmm. in a white supremacist society, we have to keep that in mind. So colorism doesn't go both ways, just like racism doesn't go both ways, right? There's Let's let's stop right there. Let's stop right there. Let's park it. This just said a word. Just like racism does not go both ways, neither does colorism. That is so good. And it's like, now, I do understand that lighter-skinned people have social issues and come in contact with prejudice as well. Yes. But it's not systemic. It's not rooted in racism and white supremacy. You Um, just said it right there. That's the difference. And. And the thing about preferences, when it's rooted in prejudice, that's when you know it's an issue. And you may not even know it's a prejudice. You may you may genuinely think, I just prefer lighter skin. Absolutely. But it's not true, bruh, sis. It's rooted in the idea that lighter is better. So I'm, so I'm cool with you. I'm cool with you dating whomever, loving whoever. Absolutely. But just be clear on where it comes from. The root of that thing is because you believe that lighter is better. Absolutely. And we also have to remember that there exists um, no political, economic, or social system that is organized around the oppression of fair-skinned people. So 
again, there exists no political, economical, or societal system that is organized around the oppression of fair-skinned people. Colorism was organized politically, that there was a social system, a caste system of skin color. It's organized around the oppression of darker-skinned people. So this is why you can't continue to say that, oh, this is just my preference. Why is that your preference is the mm-hmm. question that you should be asking yourself. Why do I want, you know, why do I want light-skinned babies? Mm-hmm. Why do I like, you know, light-skinned men? Why do I constantly, you know, fear getting darker in the sun? In the sun? So I'm making sure I don't want to get too dark or, you know, making it a, um, um, a priority to let someone know that they have gotten darker. What, what, what is the obsession? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I dated a guy, we did, we did it for a long time. And I do know there, there are some folks who will date all kinds of colors, right? They'll date. Absolutely. And, and meaning within black women, right? They'll date light-skinned black women, dark-skinned black women, brown-skinned dark women, I mean, black women, whatever, right? And I consider myself dark-skinned. Mm-hmm. And I was dating a guy. And I don't know why, I, came, I don't know how I came up, why I came up, but I, I remember asking him, you know, like, what is his, I, like, what is his type? Right. Because he he was well aware he was brown skin and he was mm-hmm. well aware that my preference is dark skin. Right. Uh-huh. Um, so we were talking about it and he told me he was like his his preference is like mixed. This whole exotic thing. He said the word exotic and, and it triggered me. Like Janae Aiko triggered like that. Ooh, it triggered me because I'm just like, <laughs> well, what exactly is exotic? Okay. Cause I got all kinds of African in me. Okay. I got Congolese. I got Nigerian. I got Ghana. I got, okay, that's pretty exotic. Exotic. Okay. <laughs> fine. I, Beautiful melody. Like I snapped because it wasn't, it wasn't that I was mad at him being attracted to lighter skin because I knew his ex-girlfriend. I knew he had dated a white girl before. I knew he had dated a light-skinned girl before. I knew that. But I also knew he had dated brown-skinned before. So when he said the word exotic, I was like, oh, uh, 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 because that idea is rooted in you are something other than just Black. Okay. Right? You have something other than African and I need something other than. Even with, I don't want to, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole. I don't. But it was like, <laughs> no, this that's not a pre- preference. That is prejudice, period. It's prejudice. Especially because, and, and again, I'm thinking about, you know, men in this way, because when you're thinking about, you know, how, well, real, honestly, men and women, I want my babies to have, you know, this particular Can hair. Can we talk hair. about it? I want my babies to not be so black. Like, what? What is, what are you saying? What? Like the... I, we've been so conditioned that it's like we so easily hate ourselves, and we don't even know that's what we're we're putting yeah. amongst ourselves. You know, yeah. I want my baby to look a certain way. I want my child to have a certain type of hair. I want them to be a certain skin skin color. Listen, man. Why? To, to this day, to, to this, this day. day, and I, I drops might. To this day, I know people who check their baby's ears. And it's like, oh, well, you know, maybe they come out light or they come out brown. And it's like, oh, look at this cute baby. And then it's like, well, you know, her ears are darker, so she's going to end up being dark. But, you know, that's okay. (laughs) And it's like, (laughs) I can't, I'm, I'm getting hot legit in this moment because in those moments, Number one, why are you checking the baby's ears? Number, number one. one. But number two, why is your tone 
telling me that there's an issue here. That there's an issue with this child's potential to get darker. You know, why are you saying different things towards different babies who may be like, like, right, if there's, you know, a group of siblings, you saying only certain things to this one, but you're not saying it to that one. Like, come on, man, we see. Come on, we black see. families, because we see it. We see how y'all preference lighter skin kids. Yes. the darker skin kids. They always pretty. They always get the suckers. You know, we see in a classroom. That's why it's important to have these conversations. You know, maybe the lighter skin children are treated better than the darker skin children. They're giving more, they're giving more chance and, you know, a little, uh, maybe Roderick, who, you know, immediately, as soon as he's he does anything, he's put out the classroom. Mm -hmm. his, his behavior is seen in an mm -hmm. aggressive manner. So it's important that these conversations are not only had, you know, on podcasts, but it's, we got to take these conversations to the workplace. Yes. We have to take these conversations to the schools, to the classroom, to make sure that teachers, uh, therapists, um, speech uh, pathologists, they yes. are not participating in holding up these um, ideologies of colorism because it's important. And, and and I understand, right? Like sometimes the motivation when people say ignorant things, like, you know, I want to have lighter babies. Yeah. I understand that sometimes it's not like hate, it's fear. It's fear of, you know, I don't want my child to experience what I experienced, right? Absolutely. Like, I don't want my that child, yeah, I don't want my child to go through what I went through and ha hearing all these jokes. And I believe that was one of my dad's motivations because my dad is super, super chocolate and my mom is a red bone, mm -hmm. right? So I understand that fear of not wanting your child to be ridiculed, right? But we've got to deal with this stuff in-house and it's just not okay. We've got to come to a place where we love ourselves and say, Absolutely. you know what, whatever skin God gave me is beautiful. I'm created in his image, period. Yes. Like, and that's why I'm so intentional about affirming my nieces and nephews because it's yes. just like you are gorgeous. Not just because you got the cute outfits and the cute hairstyles. No, you yes. are gorgeous because you were created in the image of God, yes. period, point blank. And, and I get it, right? Like there's this, all of this is rooted, especially when it comes to, to black men desiring lighter-skinned women. There is this idea that the darker you are, the more aggressive you are, you know? So if yep. I am light-skinned doing the, doing the same thing a dark-skinned woman does, she's aggressive, but the lighter-skinned woman is feisty or she is um, sassy. Yep. It's this idea that aggression increases the darker you are, and it is ludicrous. It's absolutely. absolutely ludicrous. I remember, I remember being in Vegas for my for my birthday one year. It was 2017, so this was October, right after the mass the massacre happened when the white terrorists shot and killed several people in Vegas. Mm -hmm. This was like a few weeks after that, so that's context for the situation. Get down there. We're celebrating me and my friend's birthday. We go to um, a club. And one of my friends had just recently updated her ID. So she hadn't gotten the laminated version yet. She just had the paper copy. Uh -huh. And of course, when you update your, update your ID, they like punch holes in the old one, right? So it's expired and non-valid. Why would anybody bring a non-valid ID to the club? You just wouldn't. She brought her updated one, which is a paper copy. They would not accept it because it was, you know, it looked temporary. So me and another friend, not the friend with the with the invalid ID, another friend who is light skinned, she's actually mixed. We snapped. We went off on the bouncer. Like, why would anybody bring a, an invalid ID here? She right. brought the valid one. You should be able to accept this. Like, we just went off because it just wasn't making sense. 
right or wrong, that's what we did, right? Well, while we're going off, the friend with the invalid ID, she leaves, goes back to the hotel room with another friend. It was four of us. So two of them left to go back to get the right ID and two of us stayed. Um, so me and my other friend, light skin, mixed, gorgeous girl, we're just snapping on the bouncer. Well, once I realized that my other friends had already left to go get the ID, I stopped fussing because it's just like, it don't even matter no more. Like they're, they're they yeah. left, it's whatever. Well, my other friend, gorgeous, light skin beauty, she's, she's still going off, right? She's still going off. And she went off for a few minutes. At that point, I'm like, I'm done with it. Like I'm yeah. done. There's this, this is pointless. She asked for the manager. She asked for somebody, you know, above him to come out because this is dumb. I mean, sis was going off. And it was, looking back, it was hilarious. Looking back on it. <laughs> but sis was going off. Uh-uh, I want to see your manager because this, yeah, just going off. So the manager comes out and was pretty much like, you know, because of the shooting everywhere around here has increased security, yada, yada, whatever. He gave his spiel. And she was like, you know what? Well, we both were like, you know what? That makes sense. Like, we get it. Height and security around everything. Understood. Thank you for explaining. Right. And then after we told him, thank you, she goes to the bouncer and apologizes. And she said, you know what, man, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have snapped like that. Um, that's my bad. Do you know this bouncer had a nerve to say it wasn't you who was snapping. It was her and points at me and says she was the one who was saying this, 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 and that. And out of the 30 seconds that I had spoke to him, he remembered the one thing that I said to him right? He remember the one thing, and I'm just like, in the moment, you can't say, you're a colorist. You're saying this because I'm dark-skinned. Yeah. You, you yeah. can't say that. But I remember in that moment feeling so just helpless because Absolutely. I'm just like, this girl that got up in your face for like two minutes straight and just went off, right? Now, granted, we both were at first. We both were. But I was right. like, I'm done with this. I'm, she got it. I'm done. And for him to come back and be like, nah, you don't owe me any apology. You're good. It was your friend. And it legit ruined my night. Like, yeah. that was already going declining anyways. But it, it ruined my Because I'm just like, y'all don't see this? Like, y'all don't, this, this is what we're talking about. Like, these microaggressive behaviors where you are saying, oh, be, she's sassy. She's spicy. I like a little sass. I like them a little bit. But when it's coming from someone with dark skin, it's, oh, you aggressive. You real masculine. Okay. Oh, you angry. You the angry black girl. Okay. What? Are you kidding me? And it's so important to pay attention to that because I haven't looked at any, uh, studies to, to to see about a correlation between uh police brutality and mm. um skin tone mm. we know that research shows shows us that darker skin tones are seen as aggressive right so these micro um aggressive behaviors these very passive and subtle uh ways to show colorism exist and if we look at police killings there's, it's right there. And this is why we need to have these conversations and have policy in place, you know, long-term, you know, no, I'm just pretty, I want us to develop policy like the yeah. Crown Act was passed so we can, you know, wear our hair. We shouldn't have to do this, but yeah. this is what we have to do. Yeah, yeah. Who does the weight of it all, the weight of this fight, does it ever just get too much for you? Every day. Mm. <laughs> 
If you want me to be honest, yeah. absolutely. Every day, um, I, I I just have to wake up and be like, okay, like I have to remember why I'm doing this. It's not about the money. It's not about the followers. It's not about anything. It's about healing from colorism and giving darker skinned people a place and a platform where they feel like they can heal yeah. and um, they can be heard because a lot of times our voices are oppressed. So I wanted to create a space where we can be heard and educate and, and grow and heal together. So, um, you know, every day I have to wake up and try again. Yeah. Every day I have to wake up and put my best foot forward and keep my eyes on my own plate and not try to worry about what the next person is doing because my mission is very different. My mission is very targeted, it's very centered. So I have to remember that um, this journey that I'm on is one that I know God put me on and that I have to continue to keep my eyes on him because if I take my eyes off of him, y'all, this thing would would not even be here today. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I just ask God to help me honestly every day. Yeah. <laughs> And and with you bringing up Christ, even that, it's like people refuse to believe that Jesus was anything but white, blonde haired and blue eyed. It's like, are you kidding me? It's like the only way you're able to accept the gospel, if it's packaged in a way that is aligned with the European standard of beauty. Really? So you went around, you went so far to change the imagery of Christ because him having brown skin just mm -mm, we can't receive we believe in the gospel but we just can't believe that it was a brown skin man we just okay we can't believe it was a dark skin man who saved the world so how about we we make an image that is more acceptable for us we we can deal with the blue-eyed Jesus we can deal with the blonde hair we can't, even though the word says this, we, even though the word spells out what he possibly looked at, look, look like, and even though we understand geography, and even though we have these facts to back up what people look like in that era, around that time, in that geography, we're not going to believe that. We're going to make him look like mm, white. That's why people need to question everything because we were taught that Christopher Columbus was this grand person. He discovered America and he did all of this and that was not true. So we have to question. My professor told me, LaVonda, question everything. Everything. Question everything. And I never understood. I'm like, why is he telling me this? But I get it now. He's saying, LaVonda, like question everything that you were taught because what we know as America and what we were taught how this America became about was not true. Yeah. So we have to understand that what we were taught about ourselves was yes. not true. Yes, yes. And it and it affects everything. And, and I've had other episodes, you know, that touch on the other areas, even down to nutrition and yes. the, our bodies, right? Yes. It's, it's, it's something wrong with it, but it's rooted in white supremacy. That's it. There's nothing wrong with us, period. Nothing, and that's why we need to check it. That's why this system of white supremacy needs to be dismantled. We cannot continue to uphold this this false system because if we do, we're going to just continue to uh, operate in America how um, they want us to operate in this space. Yeah. How do we hold each other accountable as we heal and as we overcome colorism within our community? Um, I think it's important for us to, one, just um, start to educate ourselves, right? We know that education is 
is the key to, to everything. And I believe that once you start to educate yourself and you start to question everything, that you will have this awakening and understand that we were taught to hate ourselves, not support ourselves, to belittle ourselves, um, to not like our nose, lips, hair, skin tone. Um, and, and this is the system in which that they want us to operate in. So I will start with there, we need to educate ourselves. And then also just learn to uh, love each other again. I feel like a lot of times we don't love each other and we don't love ourselves. And we see that how we treat each other, how we support each other, how we show up for each other, right? But if you had love for your neighbor, like it was your brother or sister, then that dynamic changes because you don't see them just as a neighbor. You see them as your brother, your sisters. So we have to invite love back into the black community, love for one another, love for each other. Um, because that's, that's important to black liberation. And I also, um, think it's just important to not be defensive in this work because a lot of times it's hard not to get defensive. Yeah. Hard not to take it personal, but I think we have to be, um, open to listening and and not responding sometimes. So listening to your lighter skin counterparts Mm -hmm. and not responding and listening to your darker skinned counterparts and not responding. And then also checking your own colorist um, identities that we have adopted. How many times have you heard, you know, light-skinned women ain't right. You know, you can't trust them. They floozies. They Mm -hmm. they gonna steal your man. You know, Mm -hmm. all of this I've heard in my life from older black women. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. about light-skinned women mm-hmm. so as I'm hearing this as a child what what do you think that I'm starting to internalize and and come to my own awakening about light-skinned people being they think they bougie they think they this so yeah. we as darker-skinned women have to check our own biases yes. as well, um because it's there Yes. It's there, you know. So I know some women don't even. You don't like a light skinned woman, you know. People tense up when it's walking. I don't get that, and I'm yes. just like, we have to check our own self hate. Yes, and continue to hate our sister um, for what we um, have kind of learned from society. Yeah, that projection, right? Light skin, right? Yeah, it yeah. yes. It's that projection. It's like, well, because I'm hated because of my dark skin, I'm going to project project it on you, my light skin sister. And because you're treated better than me, I'm going to treat you like crap. Like, no, that's not okay. Like that's not okay. People, not okay. It's not okay. And I was taught those same things, right? Where you have this, there's this, this there's this invisible issue and this perpetuated tension between light-skinned and dark-skinned black women, particularly in the South, because I was raised in the deep South. And it Ooh, where is... At? Where at? I'm Alabama, like South Alabama, like straight up. My boyfriend is from Fairfield. That's so funny. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's, it's like, it, it, it runs rampant in this area. And I know growing up, it was always, you know, it was women pit against each other, right? But now, like, this same this same friend of mine that I was telling you about, you know, the whole Vegas, the Vegas incident, she's light-skinned, gorgeous. And she is so intentional about standing up for dark-skinned women and yes. amplifying their voices. And, yes. and, and, I, and I can see it even in her circle of friends, right? Like, when she's posting about her friends back home, I always see dark-skinned women surrounding her. And I'm like, see, this, it's these little things, right? You know, that say, I value you. Absolutely. Regardless of your skin tone. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, it, it takes us doing the work with each other. Yes. Right? Um, Be an ally. Yes, yes. 
absolutely. Like, I'm going to love you and your light skin. I'm not going to treat you any less than just because I got my own stuff going on over here. Okay. Um, but also I expect you to see me and to understand there's a difference here, sis. There's a difference. There's a difference. <laughs> Not only was I um, born and raised in Alabama, but I lived, well, like we, we said in the beginning, we met in Utah. Yep. And in Utah, colorism is ridiculous. That's when I had to get away from there. I, I mean, it's like the the handful of Black men that are that are there typically ain't checking for Black women, but the Black women they do check for are all light-skinned. Or Utah. Are, are mostly light-skinned, right? Yeah. So it's yeah. like... It was a different beast. It was a different beast living there. And it was one of the first time I had to confront this colorism thing head on. And it was so isolating because nobody got it. It's like, you know, whatever. It's just, it's just this is how it is. And it's like, y'all don't see who's being, um, <laughs> who's being pursued, who's being acknowledged. Y'all don't see this. Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, like it, we're not making this up. It's such a pe peculiar place, Utah. Um, it's beautiful. It's such peculiar. Uh, we know the Mormon population is uh, huge there. I don't feel like that they want anyone there but them. Yeah. And when I say them, I mean white people. Utah is not a, a friendly place for black people or people of color. No. And so I shared those same experiences when I lived in Utah. And even, you know, you will see who the black men would date. And they were dating white women or a Hispanic woman, foreign women. And if they were dating black women, um, she was lighter skinned, black woman, maybe mixed. But you rarely seen black men date black women. Rarely. Utah. Um, and so again, black men continue to uphold these systems, uh, the system of colorism, um, and they are the biggest uh, perpetuators of it. And so this is why we need to have these conversations with our black men. This is why they need to be a part of this fight. And their voice is just as important to have at the table at, um, as ours because they uphold it the most. Yeah. So I know that struggle. Yeah. These are facts. These are facts. <laughs> Tell us how we can support your organization. Nah, I'm just pretty. Oh my goodness. You can support Nah, I'm just pretty in so many ways. Um, you can follow us on our Instagram accounts. Everything is Nah, I'm just pretty from Twitter to Facebook. And that's N-A-H. I'm I am just, J-U-S-T, and then pretty. Um, our website is www.noimjustpretty.com if you wanted to make a purchase. Um, but just amplifying uh, the message, sharing our posts, liking our content, engaging with us um, on our social media platforms will help us so much. And then our revenue is used to combat colorism. So now that I'm out of grad school, that took over my life. Um, we can finally go ahead and start launching some of these um, organ, uh, organizing initiatives and putting together advisory panels because we are advocacy-based organization. So we want to make money. Yes, we do. But that money will be used to go back into our initiatives to combat colorism. So you can support us by purchasing a shirt. We have African um, authentic 
um, African crossbody mass jewelry from Cape Town, South Africa. I was there for grad school. I ended up making a business connection over there. Shout out to Calvin. He's my business partner in Africa. So when you support that line, you're not only supporting me, but you're su supporting another um, a black um Black man as well. Um, but yeah, just amplify our message, share our content, like us, support us if you can, and engage with us. Thank you so much for sharing, for your vulnerability, for your courage. Um, and for those, for my listeners, I encourage you to sit with this. And if there was something that was said that struck you, that triggered you, that um, made you feel a way, I encourage you to, to ask yourself why, why it struck you the way it did. Um, and explore that and allow yourself to find a path to the truth from that emotion. Um, and I also encourage you to have these conversations with your circle of friends, with your tribe, with your family, with your community. We all have a circle of influence, you know, and it is going to uh, take all of us intentionally dismantling white supremacy within our own homes, our own communities, because again, we can fight social justice all day long and we can fight to have policies implemented, laws changed. Yes. But what happens when we get all of our requests answered? We're still going to have a family unit that needs deep, deep healing. And that part is on us. It's not fair, but it is the truth. We have to do that work for ourselves. So I encourage you to have these hard conversations. No, I'm not mad that you with a light-skinned dude or a light-skinned girl. Go forth. Be merry. Heck, I told you, my mama light-skinned. Okay. <laughs> you know, my daddy dark-skinned. <laughs> my own, is, you know, I, I see, I get it, right? But just be honest with your own journey and also acknowledge the journey of so many dark-skinned people um, yes. in this nation. It. It's a thing, y'all. Colorism is a thing, but it doesn't have to be. It, it can stop. So let's kill it. Let's kill it, y'all. So let's get into brownie points. I'd like for you to give yourself kudos for something you've recently done, big or small, just something you're proud of. I just want you to love on yourself a little bit. So Lavanda, what are you giving yourself brownie points for? First off, I love the brownie points. This is so cute. I love the idea. I love it, sis. Um, I'm giving myself brownie points because I was recently featured in Forbes. Um, my business was featured in Forbes, and they highlighted what we do, the impact that we make. And, you know, I was just like, whoa, wait a minute. She found me because of, I do talk about it Tuesdays on my page. And um, she was like, I want to amplify your message and your voice and what you do. So I was like, wait a minute, the same thing that I was so fearful of doing, speaking out and using my voice, yeah. turned around and God said, you know, if you are obe obedience is better than sacrifice. So Listen. if you are obedient, Lavanda, then this is what obedience will get you. So yes. I was just so excited for um my work to be amplified in Forbes, um, talking about colorism. Like yeah. so huge, so major. So brownie points for it. No, I'm just crazy. That is incredible. Come on and be in Forbes. Yes. <laughs> I love that. That is incredible. And it just speaks to that there is reward and obedience. So kudos Listen, to you. Thank you. I'm giving myself brownie points for 
editing and scheduling three podcast episodes. I'm heading out. Of, I'm headed out of town uh, soon. When this comes out, I would have you know already got back from my travel, but I'm headed out of town soon, and I did not want to take a break, you know, in my schedule. So I'm like, you know what? I've got to like just push it out and like edit a bunch of stuff this weekend. And schedule a bunch of stuff. And man, I hate editing, but I did three episodes in three days. And yes, <laughs> when you do the work, that's why I'm telling people the work happens in the morning before work. The work happens when you come home before yes. work. It happens on a weekend. But once you do that work, God will reward your sacrifice. So shout yeah. out to you. I'm I don't even I'm not even in editing or pot, but <laughs> this is a lot of work. It's a lot of skill and talent that go into putting together this sh- amazing show of yours. So sis. thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you again. Um, I think you've already shared your Instagram, but if you haven't, can you share one more time what your Instagram page is? And folks- Absolutely. It's not. I'm just pretty. And that is Twitter, Instagram, Facebook website, www.nawimjustpretty.com. Y'all come, come through, come mess with your girl. I promise yes. you. Come on our Instagram page. Join us for Tuesday. Uh, tomorrow is called Colorism Me Please. Is what I do every Tuesday. Colorism Me Please. So tap in with us. Come on our page. It's we are the village. That's what I refer to my supporters as the village. So the village is love. The village is light. And the village is a family where we come together and just try to love on each other, to educate each other, but also welcome different perspectives. Right? We want to learn. Yeah. Tap in with No, I'm Just Pretty. We are a social enterprise company combating colorism through organizing, education, and mobilizing. Yes. Awesome. Well, Black people, you already know, you are enough, and your creation is so divine. And I love me some you. So until the next episode, be healthy, be whole, be healed.